Right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, lovely to be able to read to you again. And from Proverbs, uh, four different little readings, and uh, starts with, whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but by the prudent hold their tongues. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a ruling rightly given. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. Like a snow-cooled drink at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to the one who sends him. He refreshes the spirit of his master. Like clouds and wind without rain is one who boasts of gifts never given. Through patience a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel not their own. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. Without a wood, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. I'm going to begin with a prayer, which is a verse from a psalm, uh, Psalm 19, uh, a very well-known uh, psalm and a very well-known prayer, often prayed at the beginning of a sermon. Um, let's find, if, if you've got your Bible, you might like to uh, look up Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in our sight, in your sight, O oh God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I think that kind of sums up uh, today uh, in that the title of today's talk is A Way to Speak. And we're following uh, a series uh, on Proverbs. We've got uh, one more to do, and that's uh, John Crosland. We're looking forward to uh, uh, John Crosland speaking to us next week on the last portion of this, uh, of this uh, series. Um, a way to speak. So today is all about our words and our speech. I wonder if you've heard this proverb um, cited to you um, some point in, in, the, in, the, in your life. Maybe when you were a child in the playground, you might have said, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. Have you, have you ever said that one? Um, yeah, uh, but it's not true, is it? It's not true. Um, actually, although being hit with a stick hurts, actually a word can be even more painful and more damaging. 
Um, and so what I want to think about today is the fact that words, whether they're spoken words or written words, and I'm sure you've all received that letter that uh, was as powerful as a punch in the face, um, are powerful. And words can be powerful either for good uh, or for harm. Now, the, the, the verses that David uh, read to us, uh, uh, Robin read to us from, from Proverbs, were a selection from several different chapters, little chunks of groups of verses that were grouped together about speech and about words. And uh, I, I, I thought I'd kind of sum them up in, in this little um, PowerPoint. If we have a look at this. Whoops. Come on. There we go. Um, these words uh, can. Um, I, I, I looked at them all and uh, all the verses, and I and I picked out certain key words that describe um, speech. Apt, nourish, trustworthy, blessing, messenger, confidence, gentle persuaded, keep promise, refresh spirit. Picked up all those words from the passages that uh, Robin, Robin read. But as I went through them, then I could have picked a different set of words. Listen to these words. Lying, slander, destroy, derives, boasts, betrays, gossip, Medals, quarrel, deceives, kindling strife, and malicious. And uh, I think that the point of these verses in Proverbs is to say that there are two different ways to speak. There is a way which brings blessing, uh, words that bring blessing, but there are other words that bring curse. There are words that are positive and affirming, there are words that are destructive and and damaging and as i thought about this uh, and particularly the verse is from james chapter 3 that aston uh, quoted right at the beginning of the service i, I remembered an old song by um, adrian snell so listen to this it's um it's called the tongue is a fire it's quite short but quite punchy
You don't have to help that rumor get around I don't believe a word of it But I must tell someone so Just what I thought Ah, wait till you hear what I heard Watch what you're saying The flames can burn you down hitting song. Uh, I'm going to leave this screen up just for a few moments um, but no, in fact I won't I'll take it down just for a second and, and read um, the last verses from uh, chapter uh, this section in chapter 3 of James. He says with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear, bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. There's quite a stark warning there, isn't there, about the way we use our mouth. Um, now. Um, I'm just going to go back to that screen just for a moment. Um, there's been lots of things that have destroyed churches. And there have been lots of things that people in churches argue about uh, and are very damaging. Um, but I've noticed that very often the discussion in, in the media has often been about certain topics. It's been about sexuality. Back in the 70s and 80s, it was all about the spiritual uh, gifts and whether you should speak in tongues or not. But I would like to suggest that the most powerful damaging word is this one that I'm highlighting on the screen here, gossip. You know, it seems quite insidious, but actually can do more damage than any of those other things, I would suggest. Um, and it all comes from the same mouth. We have to you decide whether our tongue is going to bless people or whether we're going to curse and undermine them. So the thing I want to say today is that words are powerful. Right at the beginning of the Bible, we read this, God said, and it came into being. God spoke creation into being, a powerful, creative word. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is in a boat in a storm, and uh, the disciples are terrified, but Jesus stands up and says, quiet, be still. And the waves stop and the wind died down. And yet, in Mark chapter 14, Judas says, Rabbi. And with one word, he betrays 
the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Later in that chapter, Peter, I don't know this man. And with one short sentence, he denies Jesus, his Messiah and his Saviour. And so, you know, how we open our mouth uh, requires a lot of wisdom. And I think this is where uh, this really fits in. The, the key theme that goes throughout Proverbs is speech and how speech can be wise or otherwise. Otherwise, that's a good one, isn't it? Otherwise. Um, if you read that passage in James uh, and then follow on from chapter 13, we find that the passage about speaking goes straight on to a passage about wisdom. Who is you? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Um, we need wisdom in how to speak. Uh, but there are different kinds of wisdom. There's earthly wisdom. But James goes on to say that the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's the kind of, uh, that's the kind of wisdom and words that we require. Now, in John's Gospel, uh, right at the beginning, in the prologue, uh, it talks about the light um, that's come into the world, and then it suddenly says, the word became flesh. That is the most profound statement. The word this spoke that spoke the universe into being. In other words, God himself, the word, uh, became flesh, became a human being, flesh and bones. Uh, and uh, it's a shame that after Jesus, the word became flesh. Unfortunately, the church over centuries has turned the flesh back into lots of words. And our, our worship just becomes loads and loads of words. Uh, there's a lovely little um, statement in this book by uh, Steve Gorkroger um, called Verbosity. Listen to this. In a small trumpet blast against bureaucratic verbosity, this list is circulating around government departments in Washington. The Lord's Prayer, 56 words. The 23rd Psalm, 118 words. The Gettysburg Address, 226 words. The Ten Commandments, 297 words. The United States Department of Agriculture order on the price of cabbage, 15,629 words. Doesn't it uh, just say about verbosity? Words uh, are so important, but we can have too many of them. Now, I have a challenge this week because my friend Mike, in his excellent sermon last week, kept it to about 19 minutes. And uh, so I'm going to make sure that I don't uh, turn the tables and become verbose again. Um, the thing about words which Jesus teaches us is this, that words come from the heart. They don't suddenly just come out of our brain. They come from what is in our heart and what we say expresses something that is within us. In fact, Jesus says it's not what enters the mouth that makes someone unclean, 
but what comes out of their mouth. And so there's a very important proverb in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So before we start trying to control what we say, we need to control what we actually believe and the state of, of our hearts. That is where we need to start this process. So I want to ask just uh, uh, two questions really about wisdom in speak, a way to speak, which is the way to speak? And I think the first question is this, what to speak? What should we say? I don't know about you, but I don't always know what to say. Um, you know, especially if I meet someone that I know well, uh, I don't, you know, we always say, how are you? You know, nice weather. Um, what to say is important. Uh, but Jesus gives us some advice on this. In Mark 13, he says to the disciples, anticipating the fact that they will one day be on their own and have to stand before kings and rulers, he says, just say what is given you. Um, uh, it will not be you that's speaking but it will be the Holy Spirit. So we need to be filled with the Spirit so that actually we are listening to him so that hopefully we speak the words that God gives us to say rather than just ones that we make up. So listen to God, speak what God tells you. Um, and then in Ephesians, we read this verse, uh, Ephesians 4:15, speak the truth in love. Now, if I were to ask if I were to try to be pick one verse in scripture that tells me how to speak, it would be that one. Speak the truth in love. We don't want people who just say things because they sound nice. We want people who say things that are true. But we don't want people who just say things, even if they're true, but they say it in a horrible way. We need to be able to speak the truth in love. And... Uh, Jesus, of course, is our perfect example of that. So here are three tests before you open your mouth, uh, how you might speak. The first test is this. Is it true? Is what I'm about to say true? If it is, well, go on to the second test. If it isn't, shut up. Second test, is it helpful? Will what I'm about to say be helpful to the person uh, who's going to hear it? Uh, if the answer is yes, even if it's helpful in criticizing rather than telling them something nice, then we need to say it. Uh, the third one is this, is it necessary? It may be true, it might be helpful, but it may not be necessary at that moment. Maybe there's a better time to say it, or maybe someone else in the room has just said the same thing. Why repeat it? Uh, so is it true? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? Three good tests to see whether you are speaking the truth in love. And then the second question is this, when to speak? When should I speak? Now, one of the other wisdom books in the Bible, which is very good to set alongside Proverbs because it brings a bit more reality to certain situations because as we've said some of the things in proverbs uh you know if you take them you know like if, if you live a, a righteous life you will live long and you will be wealthy we know they're not always actually true 
because they're counterpointed by some other sayings which need to be balanced against them. Um, but in Ecclesiastes, which tries to set the record straight, also from the wisdom literature, in chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Do not be quick with your mouth. God is in heaven. You are on earth. So let your words be few. Don't be verbose. Let your words be few. And I found this quote. I don't know exactly who said it. Wisdom is knowing when to speak your mind and when to mind your speech. Wisdom is knowing when to speak your mind and when to mind your speech. And this applies to every area of life. If we are talking to someone in need, uh, if we are at work or whatever we're doing, if we are, as we are called to be witnesses, if we're involved in evangelism, we also need to bear this in mind. Um, now, a commonly quoted saying of St. Francis is this, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. But actually, I hate to tell you folks, uh, St. Francis didn't say that. Uh, what he actually said was this, it is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. It is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. And I could actually um, change that word walking to driving. It's all very well, uh, you know, preaching the gospel, saying these wonderful things. But if we drive in, an in, in, an, in a bad way, if we drive in an inconsiderate way, or uh, then really is that, is that a good witness? Um, when we play sport, it's all very well, these sportsmen having their, you know, I love Jesus t-shirts that they expose on the, on the match. But do they play the sport uh, in, in their right way? Um, respectful of other players and the referee, etc. So what I'm saying is that uh, what we speak and what we do, our words, our actions and our hearts must go together. And the word is integrity. We must be people of integrity. We say what we mean, we mean what we say, and we don't say things that are inappropriate. Um, now, that seems a tall order to do all that, doesn't it? We could spend hours discussing how we do that in our lives. But I'd like to suggest as I finish here that we look to the perfect mentor and example who is Jesus. If we're thinking of a way to speak, we should be more and more like Jesus. Uh, you know, they used to have these wristbands that said, what would Jesus do? We could have, what would Jesus say? That would be uh, equally applicable. Um, so as we look at Jesus, just as a quick look through John's gospel and see what we can learn about Jesus and his speaking. What can we learn from this? First of all, he didn't start his preaching until he was 30. Because he said in chapter, chapter 2, uh, uh, the water into wine at, um, at Cana, my time is not yet come. He held his tongue all those years before he started preaching because it wasn't the right time to begin the message the kingdom of heaven is here. One of the first things that we see in John's gospel is that he challenges injustice and he goes into the temple and clears it. The other gospels I know put that later on but as far as 
John is concerned, Jesus has come to purify and to rebuild the temple. Jesus spoke the truth in love. What about when he met the woman at the well? The woman that had had four husbands already uh, and wasn't married to the one she was with, um, or five husbands. Um, he spoke the truth in love. He said, yeah, you've had five husbands, but he didn't condemn her. He spoke in love. Jesus used a lot of parables and stories. He didn't always give a, an exposition or an analytical answer uh, to the question, but he used a story to tell people and help people to understand. Jesus used wisdom to counter the traps that were set for him. So like when the woman uh, was uh, before him in, uh, in adultery, chapter 8 of John, uh, he didn't tell them whether or not to stone her. He just said, let the first person, the person who was without sin, cast the first stone. So he's used wisdom, uh, but he also didn't condemn the sinner. Neither do I condemn you, he says. He challenged the hypocrisy of the Pharisees directly, like the man who was born blind. And they started going at him. He told them that they were blind guides. He challenged them directly. He wasn't afraid to speak those words. He didn't always speak and act immediately. Like when Lazarus died, he spent another three days or four days before he went to respond. In his farewell speeches in John 13 to 17, uh, he promises encouragement. Do we promise encouragement in our words? He says the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the counsellor will come to you. A few chapters later, he's standing before Pilate and Jesus doesn't open his mouth except to say a small number of chosen words. Are we willing to stay silent and not defend ourselves? The automatic reaction is to become defensive and try to uh, argue our case. And then on the cross, when Jesus is hanging in his last painful minutes, he still speaks words of love and forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Mother, here is your son. Uh, son, here is your mother. And then after the resurrection, when Jesus appears uh, by the Sea of Galilee, he gently restores Peter, the broken Peter, who with one sentence has denied Jesus. And Jesus restores him. And then finally, and as I end, all the promises that Jesus made have come true. I wonder if the things that we've promised, maybe our children, we've said we'll do this and, and we haven't. Uh, every promise that Jesus made has come true or will come true. So if you want a way to speak, my friends, speak like Jesus. What would Jesus say? Amen.